Yes, you've arrived at the Legend Podcast at DaxMyHand.com. How did I become a legendary sports figure? How does anyone become legendary? It starts with a coach. Join us as we have conversations with coaches of all ages, experience, and expertise, and find out what does it take to lead athletes to legendary status. What was your first experience with the legend? Where did you meet the legend? The first time I saw the legend was in middle school. And who is this blonde big forward (laughs) that can score? Where did he come from? North Marshall was devastating us anyway. And then now comes Dax onto the team. They were killing us. I saw the legend in action. Three things that I think about when I think of Tony Bohannon. Intentional, reflective, and action-oriented. Tony Bohannon, here's a man who intentionally set out to be a success. He reflected upon the successes and the failures of the past to put together a plan. He put that plan to action. So talk to us. So we know you know, we know you went to Benton. and uh, Talk to us about where you went to college and, and kind of what you're doing in, in your career and your education. Go through that. Well, after uh, Marsh County, I went to Murray State. Uh, went for three years. Uh, at the time, uh, physical therapy school was a bachelor's uh, degree. Now it's a doctorate level degree. But at that time, it was a, it was uh, a bachelor's. And so I went three years at Murray State to get my prerequisites. I got into I got accepted into U of L and UK. Yeah, I'd always wanted to go to UK. That had always been my dream. At the time, UK, their physical therapy program had had a lot of turnover, and it was just kind of in flux. Was you know The professor did all the dissecting, you would just kind of look through it, versus at Louisville, it just felt more personal. You know, The first class we had was gross anatomy, and we did all the dissection. It, it just felt right, but I really wanted to go to UK, and I really struggled. Uh, but I ended up choosing Louisville. I figured I can always be a Wildcats fan. And still go to Louisville. And luckily, there was we had 32 people in our class, and probably 25 of us were all Wildcats fans. There's got to be a good deal of satisfaction when you wear your University of Kentucky shirt on the Louisville campus. Oh, wear proudly. I always wear it proudly everywhere I go, yes. <laughs> my, one of my first clinical rotations was at, at the time, it was called Western Baptist. Now it's Baptist Health. And the director there, Mike Muscarella, I had known him before because he had come to Murray State and had spoken to our pre-physical therapy club. And we've, um, as far as mentors go, he was another one that yeah, I was always impressed with. He, he was one of those you felt better about yourself. By, after you walked away, he lifted other people up and encouraged people. But as far as physical therapy, he was one of the first people that I really knew in physical therapy. And so I, my first clinical rotation was a Baptist, and he asked me to come back and work after I graduated. And so I pretty much graduated, finished my last internship in Jacksonville, and walked right into Baptist as my first job. And you're still there? I'm still there. I've been there since uh, as a physical therapist since 1994. I worked for several years in the acute care inpatient setting, and now I'm the clinical manager over at Outpatient. 
All right, Tony. So, um, so the first time you met the legend, we were playing ball against each other, mm-hmm. uh, North Marshall versus Benton, mm-hmm. and um, and so then obviously we moved on to the high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played together as as freshmen a little bit right. on on the teams we had, and then uh, also as a tenth grader. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe Hatcher cut anybody as a tenth grader. That's correct. Obviously not, because I was on the team. <laughs> yeah. So so talk about. You know, you, you played that year, and then the following year, I believe you got cut. We've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were cut. Talk about that experience and, and what you learned from it. And Going into basketball, I guess I never, from, I never expected more of myself. I never pushed myself. So even I almost wasn't with the team at all because when I went to high school, my sophomore year, I didn't even sign up for athletic PE. You know, I was in art class because I assumed you've got Dax and you've got Scott and you've got, you know, Aaron's coming up. Dan Hall is there and there's just no place for me. I can never compete with that. So I didn't even try. I didn't sign up. And I was one day in art class and Coach Hatcher sent Michael Cross to pull me out of art class and pull me down to his office and said, why didn't you sign up? (laughs) Why aren't you in, in P.E.? And so I explained, and he said, "No, I want you. I want you to try out. I want you to, to be on the team." So I was, you know, my sophomore year, and it was, yeah, you know, I got to play a little bit. You know, I was, I was always a bench player. My, the end of my sophomore year, I had sprained both my ankles, and so I could barely run all summer. Plus, I had asthma. You know, but for me, that that became a, a convenient excuse. Of I can't run these sprints because I have asthma, you know, which which was true. I couldn't breathe. I was turning blue, but uh, I really, you know, but I I could have worked through that. And so we had the tryouts, and you know, again, I, I was having asthma attacks through the whole thing. My you know, I couldn't run because I hurt. And Coach Hatcher pulled me and Brent Carter into his office at the same time, and that's when he told us that we were being cut. Our it was our junior year. And he had asked me to come back and be his manager and trainer. And he had asked Brent to come back and be the cameraman uh, for that. Well, Brent was mad. Uh, You know, I was disappointed. Uh, I was really disappointed in it. And I said, well, let me think about it. And so that night I went to a football game to try to get my mind off of being cut and just the disappointment. And I sat next to Barry Wilson and he started telling me about his girlfriend that was going into physical therapy school. And that was the first time that I'd really heard about physical therapy. And he started telling me about what they do, how long they have to go to school, the type of patients they work with. And I'd always wanted to go in the medical field, but I just didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to have that kind of lifestyle. And so I went home that night and told my mom, I think I want to be a physical therapist. And she said, that's it. That's what you need to do. That suits you perfectly. So the next day I went in and uh, told Coach Hatcher, okay, I'll be your manager and I'll be your trainer. Uh, and it really ended, it ended up being the best thing that could have ever happened to me. You know, it's I learned so much from the responsibilities that we had as a manager and trainer. Um, you know, we got to, we still got to travel. We still got to go everywhere that the team went. Didn't have to run sprints. Didn't have to do aggressive drills. You know, we just got pulled in for drills occasionally and got to play ball, you know, pickup games and, and whatnot like that, you know, but as far as just the responsibility of, you know, keeping things in order and keeping things where they were supposed to be, and, you know, I still made 
lifelong friends. And that's one thing uh, that we did have a special bond, the, the our team with our managers. You know, you guys are some of the best friends that I have to this day. You, uh, Brent Carter, Jeff Wyatt, uh, even the even the soccer coach, Andy Pagel, mm-hmm. was a manager at, at mm-hmm. one point. So uh, y- y'all were a pretty stellar group. And we used to even say that, where if there was a manager national championship in basketball, we believe y'all could have won it. Well, the funny thing was I really didn't become a good ball player until after I was cut because we had keys to Marsh County's gym because we would have to, you know, every game we would always have to close up the gym uh, from doing all the laundry and putting everything away and, and get everything organized for the next day. So we had keys. Well, Brent and I would stay for two or three hours after practice till nine or 10 o'clock until we couldn't lift our arms anymore. And we just play one-on-one or, you know, play 21 or play, you know, you know, knockout or, you know, it's different things like that. And that's, that's where I learned how to handle the ball. And that's where I learned, you know, how to have a quick shot with a hand in my face. So I really wouldn't have become a ball player if I hadn't been cut. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys were outstanding. In fact, a few of you could dunk. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I know a certain player, a legend, who never was really able to do that. So <laughs> Shall be nameless. Yeah, so uh, so the legend's kind of glad you didn't learn to play till after after you became a manager. Well, so. and Hatcher had even said, you know, that if we had played for any other team in the, in the region, you know, we could have started for many other teams. But I considered trying out my senior year, but – yeah, I really enjoyed what we did. You know, I enjoyed watching everybody else play. You know, I enjoyed the success that we had. And and I think part of it was the fact that really the team did accept us um, as equals and as friends. And it wasn't, uh, you know, we're the star players and go fetch me my shorts. And, you know, it wasn't that at all. You know, I felt like we were all friends and that I got to be around a great group of people. Talk about your relationship uh, with Coach Hatcher or, or even any of the other coaches, Coach Jackson, Coach Bowen, and the other guys we had, even Mario Nitsch, our German <laughs> uh, German coach that came over. Talk about the difference in the relationship from the time as you, when you were a player to the time as a manager. Talk about if Were there any differences? Well, how was that? Well, part of it was just me growing up and me um, learning how to stand up for myself and and just having confidence. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that being with a basketball program did was it, it just gave me confidence because I'd always, and I still am, I'd always been an introvert. And so I'm always one to be on the outskirts watching, you know, being around people like you that, you know, aren't short on words. <laughs> extrovert is, is probably I think a good word. is a really good word. But, you know, it's I've always been one of those to tag along and, and enjoy being around extroverts. And being with Coach Hatcher, he expects people to step up. And so, you know, the same amount of intensity that he would have with, you know, blocking somebody out, he expects us to do our job right and do it well and there are no excuses you have to be where you're supposed to be on time and get it ready or we would get just the same kind of earful that the ball players were and i even said it during during my valedictorian speech i said he was one of the people that i thanked because i said i learned responsibility and discipline from him Uh, not that my parents didn't teach me that but with hatcher it was it was it was a job and he expected you to be a professional about it I'm going to kind of jump pretty far ahead here. You've coached, you have kids. Mm -hmm. You've coached your kids in various sports. I know we talk about upward a little bit and talk about 
some of the lessons you've taken from your coaches of the past that you've been around and applied to coaching your kids really coach hatcher you know i don't i don't don't stomp around i don't turn red face or anything like that but as far as getting the details right and drilling you know practicing the details you can't just show somebody something one time and then get mad at them a couple of weeks later because they don't have it perfected you've got to drill it and develop that muscle memory and you know blocking out somebody the correct way and playing defense with your hands in the correct place you have to teach them those kinds of things and so that's one of the things whether it's with my boys or with the the players that I'm coaching it's about stressing the details but also explaining why it matters you know don't do it just because i said so but it matters because of a b c and d if you don't do this this will be the consequence of that, so you know, I guess the biggest lesson again is just still the discipline and and getting the the small details correct. And you know, that's a that's a theme that runs through every coach we've talked about or we've talked to is doing it correctly, doing it right. And I think the people who win their teams do that in in general. Going back to your kids, what was the biggest surprise that you had as as a coach when you got into coaching? You know, you probably had some preconceived notions. Before you got uh, started coaching them, what what was the biggest thing that surprised you or jumped out at you when you started? You know, I'm throwing out all this gold and practice, and then it just kind of falls apart in the games. Why can't they just? How many times have we gone over this? And and, and I guess for me, I've just had to learn patience. Different kids are going to pick it up in different ways, you know. And it, I think you know, coaching is is like how I do with my patients. It's like what I do with. With children, you have to. Everybody has different strengths, different skills, and people are going to listen to different things. You know, there there was early on whenever I was coaching a team, and I did start getting red faced, and I started, you know, getting mad and frustrated, and why can't you just get this? And we could be winning by now if you hadn't done blah blah blah. You know, and it was just I learned I could see the players starting to shut off and stop listening to me. Uh, to the point that I, I had to apologize and just say, you know, I was wrong. This isn't working. You know, I may be saying good stuff, but if you're not hearing me, then we're not going to move forward. And so I had to humble myself to say, you know, I need to change what I'm doing because it's not successful. And the kids aren't having fun. They're not learning anything. They're not having fun. They don't want to be here. And so what am I doing with this? And so by changing my strategy and trying to make it where they would be able to hear me, you know, it didn't mean that I didn't want to win, didn't mean I didn't want to do things the right way, but I just had to change my strategy so it would be heard. You know, that concept of fun that you just brought up, you know, that's that's kind of a misunderstood term in sports because people will say, well, you know, is it fun? winning is fun. But I think the key is, and, and being fun is not being less instructive or or expecting people to toe the line or or do what they're supposed to do. But yet, you can do all that, I think, and have fun. Is is that your I think experience? People, I think people confuse joy and happiness. People think, oh, I want them to have fun. Well, it's supposed to be fun. It's hard work. Well, you know, there's a difference. But people think of fun as we're running around giggling and oh, let's kick the ball out of bounds. Woohoo! Isn't this fun? And it's not about that. It's about having this joy. You can be intense and love what you're doing. 
And, you know, where else would you want to be than at that spot right there? And I think that, you know, it's like Coach Calipari says, don't let them steal your joy. It doesn't mean that every single practice, every drill, that they're giggling and laughing, but that's where they want to be. And and I've found that when you make kids do it correctly, the fun comes in with that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things I've told my younger son, Lucas. Uh, Lucas is, you know, he's one of the smaller ones on his team. And for the longest time, he'd get his feelings hurt of, you know, you call me short, you blah, blah, blah. You, you know, anytime we make any reference to short. And I finally said, you know, Lucas, you're short. But what that means is that you've got to be better. And so you're putting in the work now. We always reference Tyler Eulis. He, he idolizes Tyler Eulis because Tyler Eulis put in the work uh, and paid attention to those small details of his shot and his dribbling and mastering all of those kinds of things. So it really doesn't matter your size. It, it just matters you know, the amount of time that you're willing to put in. You know, I was listening to Kentucky Sports Radio this week. It's funny you mentioned Tyler Eulis. I was gonna when you started talking about shortness. I was gonna bring this up. They interviewed the the uh, walk ons, the guys at the end of the bench, Lanter and uh, Malone. Sam, yeah, Sam. Sam Malone. And that's one thing they were asked about Tyler Eulis. And they said when we first saw him, we thought, oh, poor guy. Look how Lily is. And they said he's just a beast. They mm-hmm. said, you know, he's the hardest worker. He's the most relentless, and he gets every ounce of of his talent out of his size. So that, that's a great point you make about you've got to work through. Well, it. And I saw Tyler when he came to the McCracken County's Mustang Madness, and he was by far the smallest one on the court. But when he was on the court, there were nine other sets of eyes on him because whether you're on offense or defense, you had to pay attention to where he was because. He owned the game. He, he had such skill that it just looked easy for him. It looked like he was going through the motions, uh, or not going through the motions. It looked like he, he, he never looked like he got sped up, but he was in total control. And, you know, when he needed to make assists, he would do that. And so that's why I knew that he would be a good player. And the whole time, Lucas was sitting right there next to me, and I kept pointing to him and saying, see what he's doing there. You know, he's, he's waiting to see what the player's going to do. You know, he's not getting in a hurry, and then he always has a plan A, a plan B. And so I'm trying to use those bits of of moments, you know, little instructions that I can give to him to hopefully make him a better player. Now, when coaching your kids, what? how do you measure success in coaching your kids or coaching a, a youth team? Number one, did they give their best effort? You know, did, did they do everything that they physically and emotionally could to succeed? And if they do that, then sometimes you're just going to get beat by a better team. You know, if and that's one of the things I've told you know my boys too. And when they're playing, you don't want to have any regrets, and you don't want to look back and say, "If I just practiced a little bit more, if I just worked on my free throws a little bit more, if I were in just better shape, I could have jumped up and and got that." And so I don't live and die by every shot that goes in with my boys. You know, for me, you know, are they a better person at the end of the season? You know, did they learn something from that? You know, this this year with my younger son, it was it was a little bit of a, a struggle because he didn't get to play. He had worked all summer long. You know, we we worked, you know, every week on his form, his ball handling, and just he worked all summer long to be a good point guard, and you know, didn't get the playing time, you know, or didn't get the feedback that he might have. Um, 
wanted on that. And so we talked about it and said, you know, no, it's it's not the best situation, but what are you going to do about it? You know, what are you willing to do? Crying about it, whining about it. You know, there's a time for that. You can be disappointed. But if you let that paralyze you and decide that you're going to quit on something that you love, then you'll always look back and say, what if? What if I'd, I'd done more? What if I'd kept going? And so I'm hoping that, you know, they're able to take these more of life lessons that they're going to use as they get older, you know, more so than did they score so many points in, in whatever game. You make a great point about there's a time to feel sorry for yourself and, and to get through that. And, and I'll tell you a quick one of mine, and you probably recall this. We were playing, I believe, Christian County or Hopkinsville, and um, and we were we got beat in JV game. Uh, I believe it was my junior year, and we got in the locker room, and Coach Hatcher, you know, asked Coach Jackson, well, "What was the problem?" Well, Dax didn't play any defense, and I think the comment was, "He can rot on the bench until he learns to play defense." <laughs> so uh, the next game, a varsity game, we had. Um, you know, he cleared the bench, which I was usually one of the first ones to go in once the game kind of got in hand. And uh, he left me to the end, didn't put me in at all. And I went home that night, kind of felt sorry for myself uh, was in my bedroom, you know. And my dad came in and gave me a powerful message. He said, uh, what, so what are you going to do? And I said, well, I think I'm going to quit. And he said, I think that's what you ought to do. And I was shocked. <laughs> and he said, uh, so he goes, we'll let Coach Hatcher know that you're going to quit. And he said, and then I'll take you down to Piggly Wiggly tomorrow and we'll get you set up to start sacking groceries. And all of a sudden, at that moment, I realized I had just a little more effort to give on that basketball court. So I remember working on defense with you. Yeah. I remember it was on one of the side goals, and we were working on your footwork and you guarding me. And, you know, I would drive and, you know, we would play and you were, but I'm just so tired. <laughs> you know, Tony, um, you've kind of put yourself out on a limb there saying that you worked with me on defense because <laughs> there are people who will let you know that apparently it did not work. So <laughs> that's a great story. I, I love to hear that. that. That is great. You know, I was more concerned with scoring points. somebody about it if you like what you hear go to itunes subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating and review we would sure appreciate it